this morning. Before I dive into the message, I've had to do this, I think, twice before. i got to do it again this morning. I've, I've got to preface something here. For all you 80s kids, you remember those commercials? The more you know, like, yeah. All of our favorite sitcom stars would teach us something awesome. Anyways, I wanted to clarify something about last week's message. Um, I had taught something. I taught that like Jesus, we all have a Greek word soma, physical body, right? Everybody got a physical body that's here? Your five senses? Yeah! Praise God for our physical bodies. I got a bigger one than I'm supposed to, according to my doctor, but we got one, right? We also have a psyche. Anybody need any psychological help? I know I do, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's good to get help if you need help. But we have a psyche. We have a soul. That's the Greek word psyche, our soul, consisting of our mind, our will, our emotions, which they tend to fight each other, don't they? Our mind, our will, emotions. It's like, man, that can be a whirlwind sometimes. And not the kind that took Elijah. We want it to be the kind that took the Elijah to, to the kingdom, right? But... Sometimes it tries to tear us down. Our personality, our intellect, our consciousness, it's the, the essence of who we are, our soul, our psyche. And I'd mentioned, I was still studying about this, but I hadn't found any evidence yet that Jesus was born with the sarks, right? That's the, as I defined it last week, I defined it as the, um, the fleshy, sinful nature of ourselves, but that rather Jesus was only born of the spirit, pneuma, right? Well, I, I don't know if anyone else dug into this study did anybody dive in? I know Susie did. She, she, um, she was telling me about it. She's like, man, I, I didn't learn that. And, uh, you know, uh, what is it in Texas? Christ for the Nations. Yeah, that's where she got her, her Bible training from. Awesome place, if anyone's interested, by the way. Um, anyone interested, by the way? All right, be praying about it. Um, anyways, you know, I, I didn't have to go very far in my studies to be like, oh. Okay, yep, I got, I got to correct that one. Um, the book of John. John very frequently um, referenced Jesus having Sark's flesh. In fact, it starts right at the beginning. John chapter 1, verse 14. Did anybody ever hear the verse, the word became flesh and dwelt among us? Anybody ever hear that? Aside from John 3, 16, that's a pretty commonly memorized one, right? Yeah, guess what the word for flesh is there? Sarks, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And, you know, first I'm like, okay, that's cool. But, like, John, he was that, like, like you know, poetic kind of girly guy that, like, laid into Jesus' chest and everything. You know, maybe he's just being poetic here. Well, then he quoted uh, Jesus in chapter 6 going on in verse 50s. And Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whew. We're going to be talking about that this morning, the living bread. It came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh. And guess what word Jesus said there? Sarks, this word is my flesh. And he kept going on. Then the Jews began to sharply argue among themselves, how can this man tell us to eat his flesh? Sarks, and then he goes on and on and on. And every single time, it's the word sarks. So what, we learned, what I learned on Monday, and then God has a wonderful sense of humor, all of us guys learned on Wednesday, like, we're, we're learning about vocabulary, you know, nouns and verbs and adjectives and adverbs and how they, they are hugely important to interpreting the Bible correctly. And we, we learn about nouns and we turn the page and guess which noun they used? Sarks. They used the Greek word sarks, the noun flesh, 
to explain how important it is to know the context. Because sarks, it can mean sinful human nature. It can mean that. But in other contexts, it can mean just literally this flesh, like you think of it. Not your bones, but, you know, this, yeah, skin and muscle and all the soft tissue in your body. Not the stuff you need an x-ray for, the stuff you need like an MRI or CAT scan for, right? Do I have that right, CAT scan nursing people? All right, yeah. So it can mean, like, it has like five different fleshy kind of interpretations, and you got to look at the context to understand which they are referring to. So... Um, yeah, Jesus did have the, um, you know, uh, sarks as well. As I further studied every single time Jesus refers to his sarks, it's always in the context of physical soma-like flesh, though. It, so Jesus definitely did not have a sinful human nature. He was not born in sin like all of us were. So we continue on. Anyways... Um, we learned last week about this um, battle, right? So this battle within us for our souls. We are born again. John chapter 3, right? Born not only of the flesh. This is literally the word that Jesus used here. But born of the spirit, pneuma. Right? Flesh gives birth to flesh. Spirit gives birth to spirit. We are now both. <laughs> You're a hybrid, you were a hybrid way before hybrids were cool, right? You are flesh and spirit. You got both. And you know what that means? You are one heck of a mess. <laughs> you got a struggle within you. Because your flesh wants to do one thing. In fact, we learned last week. Your flesh is hostile toward God. Your flesh does not want to submit to God. Your flesh, it's, it's kind of like... My daughter, Megan, she's not in here, right? Okay, good, so I can talk about her, right? Um, <laughs> she is the kind of person, she has this personality, this psyche, this soul, that if you tell her to do something and to do a certain way, everything in her psyche is like, no, I'm not going to do it that way, and I'm not going to do it then. I'm going to do it my own way. Kind of like a cat, you know? You can't tell a cat what to do the way you can tell a dog, you know? Dogs want to obey. Cats are like, nah, I don't think so, buddy. <laughs> right? Psyche spirit, you know, that's, that's what our, our sarks, our, our flesh is like. Um, and so what we have to decide is who is going to be the boss of our psyche? Who is going to define who we are? Who tells us what our identity is? Right? Is it going to be our fleshly human nature? Or is it going to be the Holy Spirit, the pneuma within us? Now that we are born again, we have a choice. People are not born again. They just live by the flesh. They don't know any different. And we can't expect any different of them. Remember that in your evangelism when you're trying to reach a lost. Don't expect non-Christians to be Christ-like because they don't have this. They can't be. The only reason we can be is because we have the Holy Spirit within us. We have been equipped and empowered and they are not. So they just can't. That's why we need to get them saved. Born again, right? Then they're born of the Spirit, and then they can. And that's the whole process of discipleship. The whole process of sanctification. Crucifying the old self, letting the new self come to life. And it is a process. Um, in fact, we read about this in Romans chapter 8, right? Am I getting ahead of myself? I'm getting way ahead of myself, right? Yeah. Um, ba -dum, ba -dum, ba -dum. Uh, yeah, there we go. Romans chapter 8. Paul teaches us this, those who live according to the flesh 
have their minds, so those who live according to the sarks, have their psyche, their minds set on what the flesh sarks desires. Those who live in accordance with the spirit, pneuma, have their minds, psyche, set on what the spirit, pneuma, desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. Do you see this battle? Which has your psyche? Which has your mind? Which has your soul? You get to choose. You get to choose life or death, blessings or curses. You choose. You choose whether you're going to submit to the fleshly, um, sinful nature or submit to God. Because in verse 6 we read that the mind governed by the flesh is death. The mind governed by the spirit is peace. Anybody want some peace in their life? Yeah, peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile toward God. It doesn't submit to God, nor can it do so. In verse 8, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, you are not in the realm of the flesh. You are in the realm of the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God lives in you. Right? Anybody here feel the spirit this morning? Got the spirit of God in your life? Shouldn't be a question, right? If you put your faith in Jesus... You got the Holy Spirit. You can get way more of the Holy Spirit, okay? You just, that initial deposit is great, but the overflowing infilling is just, whoo, the baptism, that's way better. Um, but anyways, we continue on. So how do we practically do this, though? How do we win this battle? How do we let our minds, our psyche, our identity, who we are, our souls, how do we allow our soul to be governed by the Spirit and not governed by our flesh? Which government are you going to submit to and come under, right? How do you do that? How do you practically do this? Well, I was praying about this because, trust me, I'm, I'm in this struggle right along there with you, right? You know, we're all in the struggle together. What I heard the Spirit say is essentially the choice comes down to, you are what you eat. <laughs> you are what you eat. What do we choose to consume in our everyday lives because we are consumers right that's why marketing is one of the you know highest um you know invested areas and we learned all about that in financial peace last week believe it or not you know it, there's a spiritual application here the marketing companies have figured out your psyche they know how to appeal to your sarks because everybody has a sarks right they know how to appeal to it and how to pull on your heartstrings and uh, you just, you name it, it's nasty, it's messy. But anyways, what do we choose to consume in our everyday lives? What do we offer up and devote ourselves to? <laughs> and if you're like me, you're like, oh, Jesus, I'm all yours, you know? And then the Holy Spirit asked me this uh, sort of piercing question, and I'm going to let him ask you that this morning as well. Okay. Whenever life gets real, whenever you get stressed out, and you're irritated and all these things. You know what I'm talking about, right? What do you turn to? And do you know when I heard that voice of the Holy Spirit ask me that question? Right when I was opening up our pantry to grab, you know, another nutty buddy because, you know, I was getting a little tweaked. And I'm like, how are we going to work this out? You know, I got no idea. But seriously, what do you turn to when life gets hard? That really defines which are you allowing to govern you. Is it your flesh or is it the spirit? 
Do we turn to food, to alcohol, to drugs, to entertainment, to sex, whatever it is that satisfies your sinful nature cravings? Do we look to satisfy our flesh? Or do we go to the word, to prayer, to worship, to testimonies, to fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ? Things that satisfy our pneuma, our spirit. Which do we turn to? If we're going to be truthful and honest with each other this morning, a lot of you are probably like me. Maybe not in every area. We all have our own vices. You know, um, our, our sarxes, our, our sinful natures have different things that appeal to us. But more than likely, what we go to feed our souls with is probably not one of the healthiest of things, right? It reminds me of this account of God's people. God's people had been overcome by their enemies. The Babylonians. They are taken off into captivity. And we find this in Daniel chapter 1. Most of you are familiar with the story. Bear with me if you're not. So King Nebi, right? From VeggieTales. Nebuchadnezzar. Just way easier to say Nebi. I know Marie has her opinions about VeggieTales. And I understand it because every now and then I'm like, wait a second. Was that in the Bible or was that in the VeggieTales version? <laughs> you know? It's bad. It's bad when you're indoctrinated by cartoons. <laughs> Overall, they're good, but, you know. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he, he, took, uh, he took into captivity the Israelites. He chose the finest of men, the ones that were the most handsome, the ones that were um, intelligent, the, the ones that were strong, you know. And uh, he assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were in the palace to serve him, and he's trying to figure out who were the best. They were to be trained for three years. And then after three years, they were to enter the king's service. There's, there's something wise about that, a training season. Even Saul had a training season while he became Paul before he went out, right? There's something about that. But in verse 6, it says, Among those who were chosen were some from Judah. Anybody like the tribe of Judah? All right. Praise. The tribe of praise. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. But um, when you're taken into the king's court, you ain't who you used to be anymore, right? You're given a new name. You have a new name too. Did you know that? It's written on a white stone in heaven. You got a name that only you and Jesus know. How cool is that? I'm just dying to know. God hasn't told me what my name is yet. I don't know. I just, anyways, I, I'm, I get caught up on stuff like that. But the chief official gave these guys new names too. Hananiah became Shadrach. You'll probably recognize that name a little easier, right? Meshiel became Meshach, and to Azariah, he became Abednego. But Daniel resolved. He took the names. He, like, Daniel dealt with a lot. There's a lot of wisdom in the book of Daniel of how to live in a pagan culture and yet still remain true to God and yet be effective in serving and reaching that culture. Like, Daniel walked that line very well. We haven't figured that out yet, but... We, we have the same spirit that he had to uh, teach us. So he dealt with a lot of things, but there's one line he would not cross. Daniel resolved in verse 8. He resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. He asked the chief official, granted, look at what he did. He's like, I ain't doing this. What did he say? Did he say, forget about that, I ain't doing it. No, he asked permission from the authorities. He asked the, the chief official... Um, permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and compassion to Daniel. 
See what happens? All of a sudden, you're cooperating with God when you choose to come under authority, and even when it's not godly authority. There's just something cool that happens here. You, you, get, um, you get favor and grace and compassion. So if, if you're button heads with your boss at work, and trust me, I had one of those. It was rough. Take Daniel's advice, and you'll see things that go way better for you. That's, that's a side sermon. I try to limit those. But in verse 10, the official told Daniel, I'm afraid. I'm afraid of the king. He has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than all the other young men your age? The king would have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test, test your servant for just 10 days. They're in the service for three years. Test us for 10 days. Give us nothing but veggies to eat and water to drink. That's what they call Daniel fast, all right? Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat us in accordance with whatever you see. Proof's in the pudding, right? Just you are what you eat. Let the results speak for themselves. So he agreed to do this. He tested them for 10 days. And at the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier. They looked better nourished than any of the other young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine that they were given to drink and gave them veggies instead. To these four young men god gave Whew. we need a lot of this to these four young men god gave knowledge understanding they understood all kinds of literature all kinds of learning you can learn about things and understand things that you don't agree with this is a powerful word for the church today in today's culture okay Take time to learn and understand it. Doesn't mean you have to agree with it. But try to figure out where people are coming from. Okay? I'm not telling you to, to lower your standards and to walk in sin and to, you know, to, to not follow, you know, I'm not telling you to follow man instead of following God, but the Holy Spirit gives understanding. Gives understanding. It's actually a kingdom thing. You can understand people you don't agree with, but you can see where they're coming from. So, God gave them. They understood all kinds of literature and learning. Probably things are very contradictory to God, but they, they learned it. They understood it. And it says, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. He had this, this gifting within his life. But if we stop and look at our lives, in all honesty, our lives might look a little more like the Babylonians, right? Than uh, you are what you eat, aren't you? <laughs> Sadly, our bodies and our souls probably look a little more like that. I'm not just talking about our physical bodies, but our souls. If you're quick to worry, quick to anxiety, quick to get Eeyore-ish, depressed about things, chances are you're probably eating a diet of the world. You're probably not eating a diet of the kingdom of God, right? Let's be honest, right? You are what you eat. We want to look good. We want to be healthy. We want to be well-nourished in every way, physically and our souls in every single way, we, we want these things. However, we want to look that way while still eating our royal food, right? And you know what I'm talking about here, right? Burger King and Dairy Queen, our royal food, right? We want to eat like royalty and yet still have that six-pack, you know? And it just, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. But we do the same thing with our psyche as we do with our soma. What do we feed our souls? 
Just look through social media. Watch the news, you know. I mean, come on. What, what are we feeding our psyche with? You know, I, I read so many posts lately that um, people are like, you know, one of the, the things that I did in my life to, to have peace was just to literally turn off the news. And Nate can attest I probably should do that more often than not because every time I see what's happening in our world, I get upset. I get tired of it, fed up with it. Anyways, but you are what you eat. Are we feasting on the things of our sarks, our sinful fleshy nature, or the pneuma, things of the Holy Spirit? What are we eating? What are we consuming? Um, because, I mean, here at Galatians chapter 6, says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Don't mock God. Don't, 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 don't ask God to give you a six-pack while you're, you know, eating fast food every day. God can't be mocked. You are what you eat. God says you reap what you sow. Same principle, right? You are the results of what you choose to feast on. What do we choose to feast on? He said, a man reaps what he sows. Well, whoever sows to please their flesh, sarks, from the flesh, sarks, will reap destruction. God, why is my life falling apart? Why am I never at peace? Where is my joy? Why can't I just enjoy life anymore? Well, take a look at what you're feeding your soul, your psyche. Then he goes on and he continues, but whoever sows to please the spirit, Numa, from the spirit, Numa, will reap life and life eternal. So don't become weary in doing good, because at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up, right? Right? How often are we like this? You know, we, you have one good day. I drank my water. And I ate my salad. And then you step on the scale the next day and you're like, nope, that ain't working. <laughs> right? <laughs> it doesn't work that way. You need to keep doing good. You need to not give up. You don't reap a harvest overnight. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like a, a field. It, it is a planting. It is a sowing thing. And the harvest comes long after. In fact, um, I think it's James who talks about, you know, to, to, to learn from the farmer who waits for his fields to grow and to finally harvest, right? It takes time. We have to keep sowing into the spirit. It doesn't happen overnight. But if you keep doing that and you keep enduring at just the right time, we will reap a harvest of righteousness. In verse 10, therefore... And we need to see what the therefore is there for, right? We just learned about that Wednesday. That's why I read the verses preceding it. Therefore, so that we get all these things, so that we are sowing into the Spirit and harvesting the Spirit and getting all these spiritual things, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially those who belong to the family of believers. And so here again, we see this reaping and sowing. Are you, do you see this direct relation here between Sark's myself and spirit others which are we living to please are we living to serve others and their needs are we just living for me myself and i because that's what the sarks is all about but the spirit is all about as you put him first and serve others all of a sudden he starts working things out for you right 
amazing what happens. What are we choosing to eat? What are we choosing to sow into our lives? Are we feeding our soma and our psyche with the things of the sarks, the things of the spirit? It's really a choice. Whichever you are feeding, that's the one that's going to grow, right? Whichever one we are feeding in our lives, that is the one that's going to grow. Our bodies are created as these containers, purposed to be full of the spirit of God, the spirit of the living God. But they can only contain so much. And if we keep shoving them full of the things of the flesh, the sarks, well, God honors your choice. God honors your choice. You know, that, that's what the, 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 the white seat judgment is. That's just God honoring your choice. It isn't God being unjust. It is God being just and serving justice. Gave you a lifetime of opportunity, kept reaching out to you, kept loving you, kept faithfully, you know, providing for you. And in the end, he just honors your choice, right? Which are we feeding? We can't plant a field of daisy seeds and expect to, uh, you know, spend our summer eating watermelon fresh from the garden, right? just doesn't work that way. You can't sow one thing and expect to harvest another. But we do, don't we? We expect, well, I showed up to church Sunday. I, I prayed in the morning, you know. But you spend the whole rest of your day and the whole rest of your week, you know, feeding your sarks. It just doesn't work that way. You're not going to reap a harvest of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control, right? doesn't work that way your life is a garden whatever you plant that is what you're going to harvest right um our, our psyche a, a a soul a mind our emotions that peace that god wants us to have it results it only results from feasting on the lord the thing of the spirit feasting on his word feasting on praise and worship Feasting on testimonies of God's goodness and faithfulness and what he is doing in the world. Um, feasting on prayer. Uh, feasting on fellowship with other believers that encourage you and, 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 and call you into um, you know, further into the Lord. It's literally to feast on Jesus. To feast on Jesus. Now that sounds really, really strange and odd and awkward. And trust me, it, it is. But that's exactly what Jesus taught. Jesus fed 5,000 men, not including women and children, with five loaves and two fishes. We've all heard the story, right? Has anybody never heard that story? Because I'll take time to read through it if you guys got time today. I, I, I'm kind of getting hungry. I want to feed my soma, so we're going to move on. Um, but how often does this happen? God did the miraculous for them. Do you know what those same people did? They followed Jesus to the next town, and they're like, Hey, give us a sign. If you just give us a sign, we'll believe that you are the Son of God. We'll follow you. Just give us a sign. You know, like, like Moses. He, he had manna from heaven. Give us that. Can you imagine Jesus face palming? Like, did you not see the, 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 the loaves and the, the, the fishes and the 5,000 and you had leftovers and whatever? How often do we pray and pray and seek and seek? And because God doesn't do it exactly the way we want him to, exactly when we want him to and how we want him to and everything, we don't see God at work. How often does that happen? And we just don't see the miraculous happening in us here and now. You know? I'm waiting for, for Billy's miracle, but just the fact that you're here, the fact that your heart's even beating. 
how can anyone live on a heart that's that weak? That, that's the spirit of God, you know? There's a miracle taking place until the miracle takes place, right? There's a miracle taking place. So we need to celebrate those miracles while they're happening, while we're still looking for, because we're going from glory to glory, to glory to glory, right? Celebrate the glory you're in, but be hungry for the more. Be hungry for the more. Keep pressing in. There's always more in the kingdom of God. Okay, Jesus responded to those people by saying this, I am the bread of life. Yeah, your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, but they died. They did. Okay, didn't do them a whole lot of good. They ate the manna that you're talking about, and they're gone. But right here is the bread that comes down from heaven. Right? The true manna. Isn't that so? I love God's sense of humor. He's like, I'll send the manna. You know, and all the time he's like, can't wait for the bread of life to show up. Like, he's going to be so cool. Like, you know, these are little thin wafers. I'm going to send you the loaf, you know, myself. And just, anyways. Yeah. Whew. <laughs> And Jesus said, anyone who eats this bread will not die. Jesus said, I am the living bread. I came down from heaven. And whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And then the religious people, man, did that offend them. They begin to argue, argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly, 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 verily, verily. You guys know what that means, right? Yeah, you're missing out if you're not a Bible study. Jesus said, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, unless you drink his blood, you have no life in you at all. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is real food. My blood is real drink. Whoever eats and drinks of it remains in me and I in them, just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father. Whoever feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died. But whoever feeds on this bread will live forevermore. And he said this while he was teaching in the synagogue. Whew. On hearing of it, many of his disciples said, This is a hard teaching. Who can even accept this? And aware that his disciples, Jesus' disciples never grumble and complain, do they? I know this one does. He needs to stop, but he does. Aware that they were grumbling about all this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit, Numa, gives life. Flesh counts for nothing, Sarks. Flesh counts for nothing. What's the only thing that counts in this life? Nothing you do in the flesh, everything you do in the Spirit. Then he goes on, he says, the words I have spoken to you, they're full of the Spirit and life. Yet there's some of you who still don't believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which one did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. And from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and chose to no longer follow him. Jesus turned to the 12 
And he said, you don't want to leave too, do you? Peter, because you know Peter, he's the big mouth of the group. He spoke up, he said, Lord, to where shall we go? You're the one that has the words of eternal life. We've come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. Feasting on Jesus. Not feasting on the works of Jesus like the 5,000 did, you know, with the bread. Not just feasting on the works of Jesus, but feasting on Jesus himself. Not on the works of God, but on the God who works. And honestly, I would say that this is a treacherously disgusting, gross teaching. Unless you've got the Spirit of God within you and you understand what Jesus is saying. To tell anyone, hey, come have a nibble. My, oh, man. My cat took a nibble this morning. I was, I was spraying on cologne because, you know, I want to smell good. And he came over to me and I sprayed him. And he did not like that at all. He took a chunk out of me. I would not tell you to come eat the flesh of Jesus and drink his blood, you know. That's a pagan ritual. And if, if you go to any church and they, they literally give you blood to drink, you might want to get out of there or pray for them and deliver them. I don't know, one or the other. But that's what Jesus said. But Jesus here was making an analogy between the physical and the spiritual. And he explained that to his disciples. And even after he explained himself, most of his disciples still turned away. They couldn't accept the teaching. And that's fine. We're going to teach the word of God. Whoever can accept it or not. I have a hard time with some of these teachings. And whoever accepts them, that's great. Whoever doesn't, that's fine. But they are the word of God. They are the words of life. And that's what we're going to keep sharing. We don't believe in these churchy terms that you may hear. It's uh, trubsubstantiation or consubstantiation, meaning that when you literally eat, because we're going to do this here in a few minutes, when you eat this, this Italian bread from DeMeo's, is that what this is? No? Uh, anyways, anyways. This bread does not become the physical body of Jesus inside of you. Okay? Please forgive me for any Catholics who are offended by this, but that doesn't happen. Just, maybe I shouldn't say that. No, just, just wait a couple of days and you'll find out what this becomes, okay? It's not the flesh of Jesus. Um, oh, I should probably take that. And if, if you touch it, you keep it, right? And this, <laughs> sorry. I swear I washed my hands yesterday. We're good. And uh, <laughs> this grape juice does not become blood inside of your body. There are some Christian faiths who believe that that does not happen. Um, this is nothing more than grape juice, and that's what it will always be. This is symbolic. I'm not demeaning what it is, but it's just bread and juice. But what it symbolizes is so, so important. We call it a, um, uh, yeah, in the church. There's two of them. Um, uh, the word's escaping me. Does anybody know it? Not doctrines. Um, anyways. Sacrament! Ding, 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 ding. I need to start keeping candy up here so I can toss you a candy bar, you know? Yeah, sacraments, the two sacraments of the church. And guess what they are? Communion, water baptism. Woo, those are the two that we see for today. Anyways, but that's what Jesus is teaching. It was a symbolic representation of the spiritual reality, a natural thing representing the spiritual. We are eating, we are feasting on Jesus, we are drinking his blood 
but not really physically. It's spiritually. Spiritually, it's representing what happens here in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 1 through 3. And Jesus quoted it. Jesus quoted it to Satan in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1 through 4. Um, be careful to follow every command that I'm giving you today so that you may live. Anybody want to live? And increase. Who wants more? Increase. So that you may enter and possess the land that God promised. Who's ready for the promised land? We want to walk into the promises of God. How do we do that? We do it by feasting on Jesus. Moses reminded God's people that he humbled you. He caused you to hunger. Lord, give us a hunger and a thirst. God first caused them to hunger. Then he satisfied their hunger with manna that neither their ancestors nor them had known before. To teach them that man doesn't live on physical bread alone, but on every word. Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Every one of your physical needs, it is met by a promise of God. But we spend our lives chasing after the physical. Like you got to get it on your own. you got to realize you can't do it on your own. And the more you keep thinking that you can do it yourself and trying to do it yourself and trying to make a way for this thing to work out and to happen, the more God may make it harder for that to happen. Not because he hates you and wants to just punish you. Because he loves you and he wants you to realize you can't do it on your own, child. You need me. You need me. And so feasting on Jesus is feasting on the word of God. Because Jesus was the word wrapped in flesh. God's word releases life and all the fruits of the spirit, right? As we just... Feast on his word and live it out. We realize that we live on his word. He meets our every need, but he meets the physical as we feast on the spiritual. God said, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, not to worry about anything, what you eat, what you wear. You know, don't worry about anything of this world, but put my kingdom first. And then I'll add to you everything else. Feasting on Jesus and in today's world, we have countless resources to feast on Jesus, to feast on the word of God, to feast on the flesh of it. It's meat, right? We need to get past milk and we need to start eating some meat and taters. Get into the meat, the word of God. Countless resources to help us to feast on it. There's apps, there's devotionals, there's reading plans, there's books, there's teachings, there's sermons, there's podcasts. We have it in every format possibly humanly imaginable. That double-edged sword of that reality, because according to the word of God, whoever much is given, much is required. What are we doing with what we have freely available to us? We are a people without excuse for not being full of the Spirit. Because you're full of it. You're full of something. Let's be full of the Spirit, not full of ourselves in this arts, right? And so what takes place in our souls as we feed on the Word of God, as we are feeding the Spirit? More than that, we know that there's an angelic host around us that are listening. They're waiting to do the Word of God. But do you know what they're waiting on? They're waiting on the people of God to speak it out. Not to think it, 
but to speak it. Whew. Wow. It's just kind of a cool picture. You kind of picture an angel like hanging around beside you, like waiting for it, waiting for it. Like, okay, God, you know, just waiting for you to speak it out. And then, boom, yeah, now we can do this thing, get it done. Yeah. So this morning, we're going to take communion. Communion is just a reminder, a reminder that we are to feast on Jesus. And what a bountiful feast it is. There is no lack in the kingdom of God. There is always more. There's always greater. There's always enough plus a surplus. And so as we take communion this morning, I just want you to take time to allow the Spirit of God to search your psyche, your soul, your mind, your will, emotions, to see if there's anything that just ain't right in there. I guarantee there is. There's stuff that's not right in me too. And this morning, instead of stressing about those things, hand them to Jesus. He's pointing them out in your life because he wants to take care of them for you. He wants to be your God. He wants to be your savior. He wants to be your healer. He wants to be your deliverer. He wants you to realize that you don't live on bread alone. You don't live by your own hands and your own abilities. You live by his word, on every word that comes from his mouth. So this morning, if you want to form two lines, we're going to grab the elements of communion. And don't be shy here. If you want to take more than one, you can. Um, <sighs> but this morning, again, as the Spirit was pointing out during worship, this is a turning point. This is a point when you can say no to self crucify that sark's flesh and begin to just say yes the spirit let the spirit of god move in your life and do what you can't do on your own trade in that struggle for peace trade in that disgruntlement for joy trade in that for gentleness and humility and all of the good things from the spirit of god amen